0: Mythology friends, I'm Kate. And I'm the other Jen. And I'm Kim. And we're the
1: Drunk Dracula Gals. Drunk Dracula, Dracula Gals. Gals. <laughs> okay. It's it's a little fun like it used to be, you know, with three of us. And yeah. It's a little extra dynamic. I don't yeah. know if Kim's going to. I mean, OG, Kim's gonna, OG it, really
0: got invested in it.
1: Oh yes, but Kim, Kim is stepping up. She is. Yeah, it's very nice of you to say. Thank you. <laughs> In other words, because I don't. Kim, Kim's like a real, true, genuine wild card. I have no clue what the fuck she's going to do. I there That's is no the plan, pred- Stan. There is no predicting and trying to calculate yeah. what she's thinking.
2: This is the role I was born to play. Okay, Doctor
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> So what we do know is that this is chapter nineteen of Bram Stoker's Stroker's Dracula*, and it's Drunk Dracula Gals Month. It's also October. It's
2: so yeah, we're just fucking. I'm making a picture of
0: Nyquiladas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love that. <laughs> yeah, with any luck, he'll he'll break his throat. But I don't know. Anyway, yeah.
1: Yeah. So Kim is resuming the role of Sewer Seward. Dr. Today. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Seward, <laughs> Dr. Siwa. All right. Yep. Passing him back go. around again. <laughs> like the little toy he is.
2: <laughs> All right. Here we go. You just know he's his butt. I just have that feeling. I don't know why. <laughs>
0: <laughs> back to England. I mean, I, I don't know quite what I'm going to do for the recap. Well, I do, but... it. it it was a challenge. Okay. Because. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And what we have is who slipped the Amex into Renfield's gruel because he steps off the crazy train and proves that out of all the men in this weird... Re- Reverse harem, he is the only one with an ounce of fucking game. He is a smooth operator who actually shows Mrs. Harker some real respect, which is probably why he found himself in a 19th century lunatic asylum because showing a woman respect for her intellect in a way that wasn't just patting her on the head, and yes, I am looking at you, Van Helsing, shocking. Van Helsing doesn't want to be upstaged by a fly-eating gigolo, though, and he decides to give up some answers, but in the typical murder she wrote, let's get everyone together in the same room and do a shocking unveiling, except nobody can understand what the fuck he's talking about, and I'm pretty sure that if Van Helsing was doing this today, he'd be like, maybe it's aliens, except it's not. It's never fucking aliens. Anyway, carry on. (laughs)
1: Aliens.
0: (laughs) It's never aliens.
1: (laughs) Never. Okay. Okay. Jonathan Harker's Journal, 1 October, 5 a.m. I think we left off at 4 Mm a.m. yesterday. Okay. An hour later, I went with the party to the search with an easy mind, for I think I never saw Mina so absolutely strong and well. Strong like bull. (laughs) I am so glad that she consented to hold back and let us men do the work. My teeth
2: are going to be ground down to stubs. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm right there with you. Call my dentist. Somehow it was a dread to me that she, she was in this fearful business at all. But now that her work is done and that it is due to her energy and brains and foresight that the whole story is put together in such a way that every point tells she may well feel that her part is finished (coughs) not quite (laughs) and that she can henceforth leave the rest to us
0: oh that's gonna work well how
1: naive (laughs) We were, I think, all a little upset by the scene with Mr. Renfield. A little bit. When when we came away from his room, we were silent till we got back to the
0: study. Then Mr. Morris said to Dr. Seward, Uh, say, Jack, if that man wasn't attempting to bluff, he's about the sanest lunatic I ever saw. I mean, I'm not sure, but I believe he had some serious purpose. And if he had, it was pretty rough on him not to get a chance. Lord Godalming and I were silent. But, of course, Dr. <laughs> Van Helsing has to chime in. <laughs> friend John, you know more of the lunatics than I do, although it appears you really don't know much at all. And I am glad of it, for fear, if I, it had been to me to decide, I would have before that Lattice hysterical outburst. I've given him free. But we live and learn, and in, in our present task, we must take no chance, as my friend Quincy would say. He would. At all is best as they are. Dr.
1: Seward seemed to answer them both in a dreamy kind of way. He's been hitting the morphine. (laughs) After that, who
2: wouldn't? I don't know that I would agree with you. If that man had been an ordinary lunatic, I would have taken my chance of trusting him. But he seems so mixed up with the count in an indexy kind of way that I'm afraid of doing anything wrong by helping his fads. I can't forget how he prayed with an almost equal fervor for a cat. And then tried to tear, and then tried to tear my throat out with his teeth. Beside, he called the count Lord and Master, and he may want to get out to help him in some diabolical way. That horrid thanks has the wolves and the rats and his own kind to help him. So I suppose he isn't above trying to use a respectable lunatic. He'd that's gonna be on my business card from now on. Respectable, <laughs> respectable lunatic. lunatic. He certainly did seem earnest, though. I only hope we have done what is best. These things, in conjunction with the wild work we have in hand, help to unnerve a man.
1: The professor stepped over and, laying his hand on his shoulder,
0: said in a grave, kindly way, Friend John, have no fear. We are trying to do our duty in a very sad and terrible case. We can only do as we deem best. What else have we to hope for, except uh, the pity of the good
1: God? Lord Godalming had slipped away for a few minutes, but now he returned. He held up a little silver whistle as he remarked, That old place may be full of rats, and if so, I've got an antidote on call. Wait, wait, wait.
2: Time out on the playing field. (laughs) (laughs) They're using a whistle to get rid of rats? Wait and see. You you don't you don't even know what the alleys in Washington D.C. look like, right? Believe me, and these a are little London silver whistles, not right. They, like ours are like the sizes of suitcases, and yeah, a <laughs> little silver whistle is not going to do the job.
1: But <laughs> yes. to do throw it at them, right? <laughs> do go on, okay. <clears throat> I only know what's coming because I had to go through this one and put the parts in, so I I know what's coming. Having passed the wall, we took our way to the house, taking care to keep in the shadows of the trees on the lawn when the moonlight shone out. When we got to the porch, the professor opened his bag and took out a lot of things which he <laughs> laid on the step, sorting sorting them into four little groups, evidently one
0: for each. Then he spoke. Because this is the moment for a a big speech, you know, when the monster might actually be on the other side of the door. So here I go. My friends, we are going into a terrible danger and we need arms of many kind. Our enemy is not merely spiritual. Remember that he has the strength of 20 men and that though our necks or our windpipes are of common kind and therefore breakable and crushable... (laughs) "'These are not amenable to mere strength. "'A stronger man or a body of men, "'more strong in all than him, "'can at certain times hold him, "'but uh, they cannot hurt him, "'as we can be hurt by him. "'We must therefore guard ourselves from his touch. "'Ew. Keep this near your heart.' "'As he spoke, he lifted
1: a little silver crucifix "'and held it out to me, "'I being nearest to him.
0: "'And put these flowers round your neck, "'they so pretty.' Here he handed me a wreath of withered garlic blossoms. Uh, for other enemy, sorry, I lost. That's you. Yep. For other enemies, more mundane, this revolver and this knife. And for aid in all, these so small electric lamps, which you can fasten to your breast. And for all, <laughs> and above all, with the a laugh. safety pin. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Too bad Madamina is not here; she would do it for us. And above, uh, at the last, this which we must not desecrate, needless. This was a portion of sacred wafer which he
1: put in an envelope and handed to me. Each of the others were similarly
0: equipped. And you will find two exits at the rear of the plane. Two <laughs> 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 Now, friend John, where are the skeleton keys? If so, that we can open the door, we not break out by the window as before at Miss Lucy's. Doctor Seward tried one or two skeletons. Where did keys. those come
1: from? <laughs> yeah, I wondered the same thing. His mechanical dexterity as a surgeon standing him in good stead. Presently, he got one to suit. After a little play back and forth, the bolt yielded, and with a rusty clang, shot back. We pressed on the door. The rusty hinges creaked, and it slowly opened. This would be the part where there'd be like this
2: yeah. yeah, that sound. <laughs>
1: It was startlingly that scared
2: like scared the shit out of my cat. I just want you to know. It <laughs> was like, what the hell?
1: <laughs> it was startlingly like the image conveyed to me in Dr. Seward's diary of the opening of Miss Weston's tomb. I fancy that the same idea seemed to strike the others, for with one accord, they shrank back. The professor was the first to move forward and stepped into the open door.
0: In manas tuas domine. Anybody know
1: what that is? I did God not hand look that up.
0: I looked it up on Google
2: Translate, and I am not kidding you. The first thing that showed up was, oh, Lord, show me the money. <laughs> I don't think that may or may not be a direct translation, but
0: that is, in fact, what I found. That's what, what we're I are going found. to go with, because I, in God's hand is just not, doesn't have the same panache.
1: I love it. Show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> he said this crossing himself as he passed over the threshold we closed the door behind us lest we lest when we should have lit our lamps we should possibly attract attention from the road that's
0: what you're worried about <laughs> the professor
1: carefully tried the lock lest we might not be able to open it from within should we be in a hurry making our exit okay that was smart then we all lit our lamps and proceeded on our search "'The light from the tiny lamps fell in all sorts of odd forms as the rays crossed each other or the opacity of our bodies through great shadows. I could not for my life get away from the feeling that there was someone else amongst us.' I suppose it was the (laughs) recollection so powerfully brought home to me by the grim surroundings of that terrible experience in Transylvania. I think the feeling was common to us all, for I noticed that the others kept looking over their shoulders at every sound and every new shadow, just as I felt myself doing. The whole place was thick with dust, The floor was seemingly inches deep, except where there were recent footsteps in which, on holding down my lamp, I could see marks of hop nails where the dust was cracked. The walls were fluffy and heavy with dust, and in the corners were masses of spider's webs whereon the dust had gathered till they looked like old, tattered rags as the weight had torn them down. That's like the country buffet
0: for Renfield.
1: <laughs> nice. All you can eat. <laughs> on a table in the hall was a great bunch of keys with a time yellowed label on each. They had been used several times, for on the table were several similar rents in the blanket of dust, similar to that exposed when the professor
0: lifted them. He turned to me and said Uh you know this place, Jonathan. You have copied maps of it, and you know it at least more than we do. Which is the way to the chapel? I had an idea of its direction, though on
1: my former visit I had not been able to get admission to it. So I led the way, and after a few wrong turnings, found myself opposite a low-arched oaken door ribbed with iron bands. Aha! This is a spot! The professor turned his lamp on a small map of the house, copied from the file of my original correspondence regarding the purchase. With a little trouble, we found the key on the bunch and opened the door. We were prepared for some unpleasantness, for as we were opening the door, a faint, malodorous air seemed to exhale through the gaps, but none of us expected such an odor as we encountered. None of the others had met the count at all at close quarters, and when I had seen him, he was either in the fasting stage of his existence in his rooms, or when he was gloated with fresh blood in a ruined building open to the air. But here the place was small and close, and the long disuse had made the air stagnant and foul. There was an earthy smell, as of some dry mesma which came through the fouler air. But as to the odor itself, how shall I describe it? It was not alone that it was composed of all the ills of morality, mortality, and with the pungent, acrid smell of blood, but it seemed as though corruption had become itself corrupt. Fa! It sickens me to think of it every breath exhaled by that monster seemed to have clung to the place and intensified its loathsomeness under ordinary circumstances circumstances such a stench would have brought our enterprise to an end but this was no ordinary case and the high and terrible purpose in which we were involved gave us a strength which rose above merely physical considerations After the involuntary shrinking consequent on the first nauseous whiff, we one and all set about our work as though that loathsome place were a garden of roses. Or garlic.
0: (laughs) We made an accurate examination of the place. The first thing is to see how many of the boxes are left. We must then examine every hole and corner and cranny to see if we cannot get some clue as to what has become of the rest. A glance was
1: sufficient to show how many remained, for the great earth chests were bulky and there was no mistaking them. (laughs) There were only twenty-nine left out of the fifty. That means twenty-one disappeared. Once I got a fright for seeing Lord Godalming suddenly turn and look out of the vaulted door into the dark passage beyond, I looked too, and for an instant my heart stood still. Somewhere, looking out from the shadow, I seemed to see the highlights of the court, the count's evil face, the ridge of the nose, the red eyes, the red lips, the awful pallor. It was only for a moment, for as Lord Godalming said, "'I thought I saw his face, but it was only the shadows.' As he resumed his inquiry, I turned my lamp in the direction and stepped into the passage." There was no sign of anyone, and as there were no corners, no doors, no aperture of any kind, but only the solid walls of the passage, there could be no hiding place even for him. I took it that fear had helped imagination and said nothing.
0: Are we really doing this again, Jonathan?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right? right? (laughs) Really? Really? It's like, don't you guys know better at this point? Right. Mina wrote it all out in triplicate. (laughs) Was Mina's work in vain? Right. (laughs) Go back to the Hava, Mina. (laughs) <laughs> a few minutes later, I saw Morris step suddenly back from a corner, which he was examining. We all followed his movements with our eyes, for undoubtedly some nervousness was growing on us, and we saw a whole mass of phosphorescence, which twinkled like stars. We all instinctively drew back. The whole place was becoming alive with rats. I ah, mean, you so- don't
0: think that that's a clue. Like, just phosphorescence. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For a moment or two, we stood appalled, all save Lord Godalming, who was seemingly prepared for such an emergency. Rushing over to the great iron-bound oaken door, which Dr. Seward had described from the outside and which I had seen myself, he turned the key in the lock, drew the huge bolts, and swung the door open. Yeah, let's give them easier access. Right. Then, taking his little silver whistle from his pocket, He blew a low, shrill call. It was answered from behind Dr. Seward's house by the yelping of dogs. And after after about a minute, three terriers came dashing around the corner of the house. Unconsciously, we had all moved towards the door. And as we moved, I noticed that the dust had been much disturbed. The boxes which had been taken out had been brought this way. But even in the minute that had elapsed, the number of the rats had vastly increased. They seemed to swarm over the place all at once till the lamplight shining on their moving dark bodies and glittering baleful eyes made the place look like a bank of earth set with fireflies. Hard pass. Yeah, this is this is bad. The dogs dashed on, but at the threshold suddenly stopped and snarled and then simultaneously lifting their noses began to howl in most lugubrious Lugubrious fashion, whatever that means. It means the dogs are going to peace out.
0: (laughs) Right. They're like, yeet, my Uber's here. (laughs) We didn't sign on for this. The rats were multiplying
1: in thousands and we moved out. Lord Godalming lifted one of the dogs and, carrying him in, placed him on the floor. The instant his feet touched the ground, he seemed to recover his courage and rushed at his natural enemies. (laughs) They fled before him so fast that before he had shaken the life out of a score, the other dogs, who had by now been lifted in the same manner, had but small prey ere the whole mass had vanished. So, little silver whistle turned out to be a good thing. It worked. With their going, it seemed as if some evil presence had departed, for the dogs frisked about and barked merrily as they made (laughs) sudden darts at their prostrate foes and turned them over and over and tossed them in the air with vicious shakes.
0: Why are you describing Meadow and Bandit? (laughs) Right? I was just thinking that. (laughs) Oh, I've been seeing all three of your dogs this whole time. My dogs are the heroes of this chapter.
1: We all seemed to find our spirits rise, whether it was the purifying of the deadly atmosphere by the opening of the chapel door, or the relief which we experienced by finding ourselves in the open, I know not. But most certainly the shadow of dread seemed to slip from us like a robe, and the occasion of our coming lost something of its grim significance, though we did not slacken a whit in our resolution. We closed the outer door and barred and locked it, and bringing the dogs with us, began our search of the house. We found nothing throughout except dust in extraordinary proportions, and all untouched save for my own footsteps when I had made my first visit. Never once did the dogs exhibit any symptom of uneasiness, and even when we returned to the chapel they frisked about as though they had been rabbit hunting in a summer wood. The morning was quickening in the east when we emerged from the front. Dr. Van Helsing had taken the key of the hall door from the bunch and locked the door in orthodox fashion, putting the key into his pocket when
0: he had done. Well, so far, our night has been eminently successful. No arm has come to us, such as I feared might be, and yet we have ascertained how many boxes are missing. More than all do I rejoice that this, our first and perhaps most difficult and dangerous step, has been accomplished without the bringing therein to of our most sweet Madame Mina, or troubling (coughs) her waking or sleeping (coughs) thoughts with sights or sounds and smells of horror which she might never forget. One lesson, too, we have learned, if it be allowable to argue a particular that the brute beasts which are to the Count's command are yet themselves not amenable to his spiritual power, for look, these rats that would have come to his call, just as from his castle top he summons the wolves to your going and to that poor mother's cry, though they come to him, they run, Pell mel from the so little doggies of my friend Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) Also, when did Arthur bring his dogs? Like, what? Yeah, where did they get dogs from? Yeah. Did Arthur, like, oh, you know what? Let me just bring my dogs with me to the lunatic asylum. (laughs) Yeah. Where did the. I I need answers on where the dogs came from. We have other matters before us, other dangers, other fears. And that monster, he has not used his power over the brute world for only the last time tonight. So be it that he has gone elsewhere. Good. He has given us opportunity to cry check in some ways in this just game, which we play for the stick of the human soul. And now let us go home the dawn is close at hand, and we have reason to be content with our first night's work. It may be ordained that we have many nights and days to follow, if full of peril, but we must go on, and from no danger shall we shrink. Tia, Oy, oy, oy. The house was (laughs) silent when we got back,
1: save for some poor creature who was screaming away in one of the distant wards, and a low, moaning sound from Renfield's Mm. room. (laughs) The poor wretch was doubtless torturing himself after the manner of the insane with needless thoughts of pain. I came tiptoe into our room and found Mina asleep, breathing so softly that I had to put my ear down to hear it. She looks paler than usual. Here we go. I hope the meeting tonight (laughs) has not upset her. I am truly thankful that she is to be left out of our future work and even of our deliberations. It is too great a strain for a woman to bear. I did not think so at first, but I know better now. No, you don't. (laughs) Therefore, I am glad that it is settled. There may be things which would frighten her to hear and yet to conceal them from her might be worse than to tell her if once she suspected that there was any concealment. Henceforth, our work is to be a sealed book to her, till at least such time as we can tell her that all is finished and the earth free from a monster of the netherworld. (laughs) Oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> I dare say it will be difficult to begin to keep silence after such confidence as ours, but I must be resolute, and tomorrow I shall keep dark over tonight's doings and shall refuse to speak of anything that has happened. I rest on the sofa so as not to disturb her. Ugh, moron. He, Harker, of yeah. all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, okay mm-hmm. one october later it's the longest day in the history of the world right, right.
0: and it's I only it's only like what 12 days since uh lucy died um, yeah yeah september 20th or something yeah. like that like it's not okay. that long but they've all like oh yeah that was lucy you've moved on yeah <laughs> that was ages ago all right
1: later I suppose it was natural that we should have all overslept ourselves, for the day was a busy one and the night had no rest at all. Even Mina must have felt its exhaustion, for though I slept till the sun was high, I was awake before her and had to call two or three times before she awoke. Dude, get a clue. (laughs) Indeed, she was so sound asleep that for a few seconds she did not recognized me, but looked at me with a sort of blank terror as one looks who has been waked out of a bad dream. She complained a little of being tired, and I let her rest till later in the day. He didn't do his homework, did he? He didn't read the material. He skimmed the summary. Oh my God. We now know of 21 boxes having been removed, and if it be that several were taken in any of these removals, we may be able to trace them all. Such will, of course, immensely simplify our labor, and the sooner the matter is attended to, the better. I shall look up Thomas Snelling today.
2: Dr. Seward's Diary, 1 October. It was towards noon when I was awakened by the professor walking into my room. Oh, my God. He was more (laughs) jolly and cheerful than usual, (laughs) and it is quite evident that last night's work has helped take some of the brooding weight off of his mind.
0: After going over the adventures of the night, he suddenly said... Your patient interests me much. May it be that uh, with you I visit him this morning, or if that you are too occupied, I can go alone if may be. It is a new experience to me to find a lunatic who talk philosophy and reason so sound. I had
2: some work to do which pressed, so I told him that if he would go alone, I would be glad, as then I should not have to keep him waiting. So I called an attendant and gave him the necessary instructions. Before the professor left the room, I cautioned him against any, getting any false impressions from my patient.
0: But I want him to talk of himself and of his delusion as to consuming the life things. He said to Madame Mina, as I see in your diary of yesterday, that he had once held such a belief. Why do you smile, friend John?
2: Excuse me, I said, but the answer is here. I laid my hand on the typewritten matter. When our sane and learned lunatic made that very statement of how he used to consume life, his mouth was actually nauseous with the flies and spiders which he had eaten just before Mrs. Harker entered the room. Van Helsing
0: smiled in turn. Ah, good! Your memory is true, friend Jean. I should have remembered, and yet it is this very obliquity of thought and memory which makes mental disease such a fascinating study. Perhaps I may gain some knowledge out of the folly of this madman, than I shall from teaching of the most wise. Who knows?
2: I went on with my work, and before long was through in that hand. It seemed that uh, time had been very short indeed, but there was Van Helsing, back in my fucking study.
0: (laughs) Uh, Do I interrupt? No!
2: (laughs) He asked politely as he stood by the door. Not at all, I answered. Come in. My work is finished and I'm free.
0: I can go with you now if you like. Uh, It is needless. I have seen him, huh? Well, uh, I feel that he does not appraise me at much. Our interview was short. When I entered this room he was sitting on a stool in the center with his elbows on his knees and his face was a picture of sullen discontent. I asked I spoke to him as cheerfully as I could and with such measure of respect as I could assume. He made no reply whatever. "Don't you know me?" I asked. His answer was not reassuring. I know you well enough. You are that old fool van Helsink. I wish you would take yourself and your idiotic brain theory somewhere else. Damn old dick-headed Dutchman. Team
2: Renfield. He was just
0: (laughs) praising him yesterday when he first met him. Honestly, Renfield is the sanest one out of all of them. He's like, yes, yeah, I can get something out of this guy if I suck up. Not a word more, would he say, but he sat in his implacable sullenness, as indifferent to me, as though I had not been in the room at all, thus departed for this time my chance of much learning from this so clever lunatic. So, I shall go, and if I may, and cheer myself with a few happy words, with that sweet soul Madame Mina, because, yes, let's go to the woman to cheer ourselves up, huh? friend Jean. it does rejoice me with unspeakable that she has no more to be pained, and... Mm. Uh, I am so tired of this two-by-four of obviousness. Right, (laughs) No more to be worried with our so terrible things. Though we shall much miss her help, it is better so.
2: I agree with you with all my heart, I answered earnestly, for I did not want him to weaken in this matter. Mrs. Harker is better out of it. Things are quite bad enough for us, all men of the world, and who have been in many (laughs) tight places in our time, (laughs) but it is no... (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: but it is no place for a woman, and if she'd remained in touch with the affair, it would have, in time, infallibly have wrecked her. So wow. Van Helsing <laughs> wrecked him. <laughs> I almost killed him. So, so, sorry. I'd like to. I would just like to apologize to everybody who oh, unfortunately had to hear what I just said. So Van Helsing has gone to confer with Mrs. Harker and Harker. Quincy and Arthur are all out following up clues as to the Earth boxes. I shall finish my round of work, and we shall meet tonight. All right. You ready? I'm ready. We're ready. Mina Hawke's journal. Yay! One October. It is strange to me to be kept in the dark as I am today, after Jonathan's full confidence for so many years, to see him manifestly avoid certain manners, and those the most vital of all. This morning I slept late, after the fatigues of yesterday, and though Jonathan was late too, he was earlier. He spoke to me before he went out, never more sweetly or tenderly, but never mentioned a word of what had happened in his visit to the Count's house and yet he must have known how terribly anxious I was. Poor dear fellow. I suppose it must have distressed him even more than it did me. They all agreed that it was best that I should not be drawn further into this awful work, and I acquiesced. But to think that he keeps anything from me now, and now I'm prying like a silly fool, when it, I know it comes from my husband's great love and from the good, good wishes of those other strong men. That has done me good. Well, Someday Jonathan will tell me all, unless it should ever be that he should think for a moment that I kept anything from him. I still keep my journal as usual. Then, if he feared of my trust, I shall show it to him, with every thought of my heart put down for his dear eyes to read. (laughs) I feel strangely sad and low-spirited today. I suppose it's the reaction from the terrible excitement. Oh, honey. (laughs) Last night I went to bed when the men had gone, simply because they told me to. I didn't feel Ugh. sleepy, and I did feel full of de- devouring anxiety. I kept thinking over everything that's been since ever since J- Jonathan came to see me in London. It all seems like a horrible tragedy, with fate pressing on relentlessly to some destined end. Like a terrible, pl- terribly plotted book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that one does, no matter how right it may be, to bring us on the very thing which is to be most deplored. If I hadn't gone to Whitby, perhaps poor dear Lucy would be with us now. She hadn't taken to visiting the churchyard till I came. And if she hadn't come in there in the daytime with me, she wouldn't have walked there in her sleep. And if she hadn't gone there at night and to sleep, that monster couldn't have destroyed her as it did. Why, oh, why did I ever go to Whitby with its beautiful harbor? Yablins, they <laughs> there now crying again. I wonder what's come over me today. I must hide it from Jonathan. Now, there is a sensible plan. Yeah. Right. For I knew if he knew that it had been crying twice in one morning, I, who never cried on my own account, and who has never caused to shed a tear, that dear fellow would fret his heart out. I shall put a bold face on. If I do feel weepy, he'll never see it. I suppose it's one of the lessons that we poor women have to learn. I can't quite remember how I fell asleep last night. I remember hearing the sound like the sudden barking of the dogs yep, and a lot yep. of queer sounds like praying on a very tumultuous scale from Mr. Renfield's room, which is somewhere under this. And then there was silence over everything. Silence so profound that it startled me. And I got up and looked out of the window. All was dark and silent. The black shadows thrown by the moonlight seeming full of a silent mystery of their own. Not a thing <laughs> seemed to be stirring but all to be grim and fixed as death or fate so that a thin streak of white mist that crept with almost imperceptible slowness across the grass towards the house seemed to have a sentience and a vitality of its own, almost like a clue. (laughs) Like she
1: wrote in In the
2: notes. In her own notes. I think that the discretion of my thoughts must have done me good for, while I got back to bed, I found a lethargy creeping over me. I lay a while but could not quite sleep, so I got and looked out the window again. The mist was spreading and now it was close up against the house so that I could see it lying thick against the wall as though it were stealing up to the windows. Up and to the right? (laughs) (laughs) The poor man was more loud than ever, and even though I could not distinguish a word he said, I could some part way recognize in his tones some passionate entreaty on his part. Then there was the sounds of a struggle, and I knew the attendants were dealing with him. I was so frightened that I crept into bed, pulled the clothes over my head, and put my fingers in my ears. I was then <laughs> not a bit sleepy, as though I thought, I, I, at least I thought so, but I must have fallen asleep, for except dreams, I do not remember anything until morning when Jonathan woke me. I think that it took me an effort and a little time to realize where I was and that it was Jonathan who was bending over me. My dream was very peculiar and was almost typical of the way that waking thoughts become merged or continued in dreams. I thought that I was asleep and waiting for Jonathan to come back. I was very anxious about him and I was powerless to act. My feet, my hands, my brain were weighted so that nothing could proceed at the usual pace. And so I slept uneasily and thought... Then it began to dawn on me that the air was heavy and dank and cold. I put the clothes from the I put the back of the clothes from my face and found, to my surprise, that it was all was dim all around. The gaslight, which I'd left lit for Jonathan but turned down, came only like a tiny red spark through the fog, which had evidently grown thicker and poured into the room, like weather often does. Right. <laughs> Then it occurred to me that I had shut the window before I had come to bed. I'd half got out to make certain on that point, but some leaden lethargy seemed to chain my limbs and even my will. I lay still and endured. That was all. I closed my eyes, (laughs) but could still see through my eyelids. It's wonderful what tricks our (laughs) dreams play on us and how conveniently we can imagine. The mist grew thicker and thicker, and now I could not see how it came in, for I could see like smoke or the white energy of boiling water pouring in, not through the windows, but through the joinings of the door. It got thicker and thicker, so it became as if concentrated into sort of a pillar of cloud in the room, through the top of which I could see the light of the gas shining like a red eye. Oh my god! Gondar oh. god, calls for aid! <laughs> Things began to whirl through my ba- brain, just as the cloudy column was now whirling in the room, and through it all came the scriptural words, a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. Was it indeed some spiritual guidance that was coming to me in my sleep, eh. in a way? <laughs> but the <laughs> pillow was composed of both the day and the night guiding. For the fire was in the red eye, which, at the thought, got a new fascination for me. Till, as though I, as I looked, the fire divided and seemed to shine on through the fog like two red eyes, such as Lucy told me of in her momentary <laughs> mental wanderings. When on the cliff, the dying sunlight struck the windows of Saint Mary's Church. Uh. <sighs> suddenly the horror burst on me that it was thus that jonathan had seen those awful women growing into reality through the whirling mist and the moonlight and in my dream i must have fainted okay <laughs> what mina honey oh, yeah. for all became black darkness the last conscious effort which imagination made was, made was to show me a livid white face bending over me out of the mist I must be careful of such dreams, for they would unseat one's reason if there were too much of them. I would get Dr. Van Helsing or Dr. Seward to prescribe something for me, which would make me sleep, only that I fear to alarm them. Such a dream at the present time would be woven into their fears for me. Tonight, I shall strive hard to sleep naturally. If I do not, I shall tomorrow night get them to give me a dose of chloral. That's the ticket. Right. (laughs) That cannot cannot hurt me once, and it will give me a good night's sleep. Last night tired me more than if I had not slept at all. 2 October, 10 p.m. Last night I slept but did not dream. I must have slept soundly, for I was not wakened by Jonathan coming to bed, but the sleep had not yet refreshed me, for today I feel terribly weak and spiritless. I spent all day yesterday trying to read, or lying down dozing. In the afternoon, Mr. Renfield asked if he might see me. Come Poor man. <laughs> Poor man. He was very gentle. And when he ca- I came away, he kissed my hand and bade God bless me. Some way it affected me much. I'm crying when I think of him. This is a new weakness of which I must be careful. Jonathan would be miserable if he knew I had been crying. He and the others were out till dinner time and they all came in tired. I did what I could to brighten them up and I suppose that the effort did me good for I forgot how tired I was. After dinner they sent me to bed and all (laughs) went to smoke together as they had said but I knew they wanted to tell each other of what had occurred to each during the day. I could see from Jonathan's manner that he had something important to communicate. I was not so sleepy as I should have been, so before they went, I asked Dr. Seward to give me a little opiate of some kind. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Just whatever you got. Is that code for something? Are you holding? (laughs)
2: <laughs> as i had not slept well the night before he very kindly made me up a sleeping draft which he gave to me telling me that it would do me no harm as it was very mild i have taken it and i am waiting for sleep which still keeps aloof i hope i have not done wrong for as sleep begins to flirt with me and new fear comes that i may have been foolish in thus depriving myself of the power of waking i might want it here comes sleep Good night. oh shit <laughs> oh my god this fills me with so much rage all right go on well that's where we're stopping obviously yeah tonight. because your 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 blood
1: pressure can't take any I, yeah. I can't i can't do it anymore
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: the, the, i i don't even have words yeah uh, too dumb to live how does that work
0: yeah Is yeah that, oh my god yeah all right okay mm-hmm. just What's,
1: uh yeah seriously just, okay
2: mina we were all counting on you. right
1: right <laughs>
0: She typed it all in triplicate. Saint Mina of the safety pin. Oh my God! <laughs> all
2: right, what do we have? Look to what do we have? Looking forward to in the next chapter. Uh, okay,
0: yeah. well, tomorrow Harker goes on the most boring mission ever. Oh my God, he's going to go you. talk with the guy
2: about the boxes, isn't he? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Doctor yeah, Seward okay. is once again the worst mental specialist ever, <laughs> and the count is just toying with them now by using the worst pun ever.
2: Well, this um, sounds like something I will definitely not want to take a yeah. big bunch of opium and sleep through. Right?
1: Yeah. Or yeah. chloral okay. or whatever, right?
2: Or whatever you got. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, right. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the whole laudanum was kicking in. Check <laughs> us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Drunk Mythology Gals.
1: That's right. For the month of October, we have the Drunk Dracula Gals tier, where for $1, you can get All of these Dracula episodes as soon as they're produced and you also get access to all of our other Lit Crit Hour episodes and I swear they have a whole lot better plot than this does.
0: Right? Even like the Russian fairy tales ones like yeah.
1: yeah, Dino porn has better plot than this.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you. I feel so seen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us Please subscribe, leave a rating, a review And tell your friends and family about us Especially if they're like You know, I had a dream and there were two eyes And a mist and the mist was in my room And it was kind of like what my friend Who just died said she saw But eh, Coincidence Obviously one has nothing to do with the other <laughs> Finally, <laughs> always remember If the undead can behave badly So can you